the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I am the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. Turn on your fax machine, turn the speculation up to 12. It's the last week of January transfer window and we're peeping through the curtains. On the buff this week, the pressure's on. Injuries make transfers a must at Wanderers. Oh my God, looking back at a bad day in the capital. boy, Vic does the trick against Cheltenham. And who the hell are Ludonautics? All of this and more from the podcast that gives you headlines straighter than Claudia Winkleman's Fringe. my co-host for this podcast and a man whose emotions have been toyed with this week i'm sure henry hewitt henry how how are you doing mate how are you feeling i i, I don't know what what are you talking about mark we've uh we're third in the league we're two games off uh portsmouth and two points off portsmouth who we are taught we've got games in hand and everyone else i don't i don't think there's anything to worry about is there yeah, the, the drugs do work, ladies and gentlemen. Henry, <laughs> Henry is living proof of that. Um, it's been a weird week. It's been a very, very strange week. We've seen the probably the worst performance of the season at Leighton Orient, and then you know not a great one against Cheltenham. But boy, do they feel different when you've lost one game and you've won the other. Yeah, I think the irony is for for both games. The only thing that. Uh, is matched over both games is the fact that Bolton didn't play to our, our very high standards uh, in both. Um, yeah. You know, I feel we created far more in the Leighton Orient game. Uh, obviously, Dion missed his chances, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, we created more in that game, in the Cheltenham game, yet we took our chance in the Cheltenham We had one chance, we took it, which, I mean, is a sign of a good team, I guess, and a sign of a team at the top of the league. And after the Leighton Orient game, um, Ian Everett defended Dion, didn't he? He said, well, it's not all about Dion. Where's everyone else scoring? Adebayo picks it up, scores. And, well, yeah. Um, so I think it's a strange one because against Cheltenham, I feel they did answer what uh, a few of the critics, I guess. They answered what Ian Everett wanted of them. Um, but we didn't play very well. So, uh, but three points is three points, isn't it? I guess it is. I mean, you've got to you've got to make a little bit of an allowance. I think certainly a late Orient for the conditions because the pitch was was bad. It was. It. I mean, and both games were played in in daft storms. I'm sure that Ian Everett will be desperately looking at that weather forecast for Carlisle at the weekend, just hoping for oh. for crying out loud that there's not like. Storm Jemima turning up, whoever, whoever, whoever's next. Like, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been rough. It's not played to their strengths. Let's be fair. Um, but I mean, Leighton Orient. We'll 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 take one game at a time. Leighton Orient possession wise, my big issue with that performance was not that they got beat. You're allowed to get beat. That's fine. There's going to be slip ups. You shouldn't really overreact. You know, unless it, it develops into something more. But I think it was more the case that they played so well against Luton and done everything right. And then for the beans to be such a difference between that performance, particularly on the ball, it was as if it was like harking back to the days of Billy Crullin. 
and co or <laughs> Tom White and such like where you know the the team just didn't seem to know each other it was it was unstructured it the the, the possession football that we were being told was being played didn't really get borne out by any of the statistics and and Bolton I think I think they ended up getting you know worse pass percentage and all that kind of stuff than than Leighton Orient which is is quite rough yeah, I I watched the um, I watched the game and uh, obviously I was only watching on a screen. You were there and mm. I, I feel you, you could tell. Yeah, yeah, hell of a lot warmer. Um, you could tell um, that with the pitch, it was. I, I felt sorry for him a little bit because um, the pitch looked like the ball was bouncing all over the mm. place. It was like playing on a, a you know on the the road outside and. <laughs> um, but um, I, I again, I know the manager said it afterwards. I really don't think we dealt with the conditions very well, and I think sometimes when you are Bolton play a certain way, and I feel we we changed our our play a little bit against Cheltenham and went more direct. But when you when you play so well in a certain way, you have to adapt when you can't do it, mm-hmm. and we just didn't do. Our passes were going astray. Obviously, the you know Toll's pass got intercepted for the goal. Yeah, it, they just looked well off it, um, but they created chances, and you know this is it. This is the fine margins, I guess. You you're putting a poor performance against Cheltenham, and you could argue that Cheltenham possibly deserved the draw uh, in it. Whereas against Leighton Orient, if Dion scores one of his chances, and then uh, like when Dacus Cogley was through on goal at the end, if he had put that away, Bolton win, and we're having a different conversation. There were big chances, and I, I do sometimes wonder whether these chances affect the team more than they should do. And we saw the one against Pompey. That was on TV. I can kind of understand that a little bit more, but two chances at Leighton Orient, it just seemed to stun everybody a bit. And then, like you say, I know Dacus Cogby had his chance at the end. He's slightly forgiven for not being, you know, that kind of player necessarily. But yeah, I mean, Dion should be should be bagging them all day, every day. He should, but I mean, as much as... I know we we talk on the podcast throughout January of is someone going to come in for Dion and if this is his way of stopping that from happening then uh, uh, he has my utmost respect but um, he, he is a League One player you know he's not Erling Haaland Erling Haaland will, would have scored both for them plus about five others in that game then why are we not We're... signing Erling Haaland Henry I mean this is surely it's it's recruitment one oh one well speak there's a tease for the headline speaking of recruitment. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, the you know this is uh, this you know this is the thing is Dion is is he will score seventeen goals, but he'll also miss five or six sitters, and um, that's why he's in League One. And uh, you have to you kind of got to give a bit of leeway f- for that. I mean, he should score. He he should score. I, the one where he's one on one less so, but the the header should go in. Yeah. You know that's that's a fact, but. You know, Dion Charles has done enough this year to, uh, and you know, I, I get what people are saying when they're like, "Oh, he, he, he's, he misses sitters all the time," but he's in League One. He's a League One striker, so he will do. But you know, we have got a striker scoring seventeen goals, um, and I think the manager did have a point. I think, well, you, your striker isn't going to have an on day every week. Where's everyone else? They should be contributing a bit more. Yeah, if he has an on day every week, he definitely isn't playing for Bolton Wanderers in League One, I suppose. So, yeah, but I mean, Ever didn't mince his words at all after Leighton Orient said he would have subbed all 11 players if he would have <laughs> had the opportunity to do so. Um, ah, look, I, I think he, he was very, he was very peeved. No question about it. Uh, I, I Normally, you know, you'll maybe have a little chat with him after the game and, and, you know, have a few words. What do you reckon? You know, kind of off the record. So I wasn't going anywhere near him. I wasn't going anywhere near him at Leighton Orient. <laughs> he would have bit my head off. I'm, right, I'll just leave him be. Definitely need to uh, to call off there. Um, the other uh, the other big kind of uh, situation that, that developed, and I, I have to say I didn't see a great deal of it or, or in it, was Richie Wellens sending off. And there's a couple of replays that have done the rounds on social media of him kind of reaching out and stopping Randall Williams taking a, a quick throw or taking a throw from the wrong area, as I think he argued. Um, what did you make of it? Was it worth the sending off? To the ref's credit, and I, I, to be honest, I think, you know, I, I don't really have a go at refs, but I think we've had two poor refs the last Stinkers. two weeks, there's two games. Yeah, yeah, but um, to, to the ref's credit, 
I think he was trying because it, it was just creeping it. I mean, when you bring Darren Prattley on, you know what the the plan is. The plan is to waste time, or the plan is to disrupt things. So I think Welland's doing that. Yeah, he, he did reach out and he did try and stop uh, Williams taking the throw. Leighton Orient were getting a bit annoyed because he was gaining a few yards, but um, he he did do it. So I guess you know he does have to be sent off. But I mean, the the fans were throwing the ball. You know, when it was we playing multi ball at one point, mm. um, <clears throat> Prattley was doing his thing. So maybe the referee thought, you know what, I need to, I need to put a, try and put a stop to this while I can. Um, but it didn't, it didn't change anything, did it? Because we didn't score. So uh, it no. is what it is. No, Dan Gay's goal, the difference on that day, pretty disappointing. Uh, a few days later, though, they had a chance to make amends, and for about ten minutes, I thought against Cheltenham. They were right at it, and I thought it looked as if the team had the, the bit between the teeth a little bit. And then it really did drop off, and the nerves started, and the groans started. And even even with Adebayo scoring his goal, great celebration, by the way, with the dart thing. I, I really mm. like that. Um, but uh, even with that, it was like, it, it just didn't get going. It seemed as if the nervousness and the jitters were still there. Yeah, it was it was the total opposite to the original game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, against Cheltenham because we started really slow in that one. Um, yeah, they they looked up for it. They looked like Everton said, "Go out and prove yourselves." And they, for the first yeah ten minutes, they did. And then for the rest of the game, I, I don't. I, I, there was the penalty shout, but I don't remember many chances that they created. I sat in the north stand lower, and they, they Bolton weren't up at our end much. Mm. Um, you know, in the second half. And the irony is that I, I feel, and this is probably the first time all season we've said this, is that the goal came against a run of play for Bolton. Normally we score when we're on top, and normally we're on top for most of the game, but it was, Cheltenham were having the chances, they were having, uh, they were really, Bolton was struggling to play the game because they were stopping the midfield play. And I think the the... Uh, I'm sure I saw Santos kind of shrug at the bench when we scored because he had to go long and people were moaning, um, you know, in, in the crowd for about it. He went long and we ended up scoring from it, from a mistake. So, um, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was an odd one because, you know, maybe a couple of minutes after the goal, they, they had a bit of energy. But then after that, it was... it. A win's a win, but for me, and with with respect to Cheltenham, because I know they're close to your heart, but you you shouldn't really be hanging on at home against Cheltenham. You you should have taken the the game and and got a second goal in the second half. I don't know. Yeah, this isn't a Cheltenham podcast. It's fine. Uh, we can we can be one eyed about these things. But I, I thought Cheltenham played well. I thought they they asked plenty of questions. They were obviously well rested. They hadn't played for absolutely ages, or certainly a whole game since. They beat Portsmouth, um, which is, uh, or was that Leighton Orient? I can't remember what Cheltenham's last game was before Bolton. But yes, anyway, they'd not played for absolutely ages. Bolton had. They looked knackered. Uh, they didn't look knackered. Um, but, I mean, it's about getting the job done. Ultimately, it's about getting the job done. I think if you were to if you were to spawn one nilers all the way between now and May, I don't think anybody would be worrying whatsoever. Um, even if we did have to rely on a slightly dodgy offside decision. Well, Ian Everett said he, he understood it. He said it was the right decision. So I'm going with what he said. Well, I, I kind of did after the game. I thought, oh, right, OK. But every I, I've only watched the kind of obvious angles of it and I still can't quite work out exactly what they mean. But yeah, let's just go with it. Let's just go with it. Uh, they won the game 1-0. Back on, back into third. Back onto the shoulder of Peterborough United. Um, and suddenly, the weekend is unfolding out in front of us. Get a result against Carlisle United. They could be back in the top two. And looking forward to a quarter-final against Blackpool in the Bristol Stroke Trophy Motor Street Trophy Motors, which we will talk about in a bit. But, Henry, you promised me some headlines. Now, deliver. News. Well, before uh, this, this peer behind the curtain a little bit. So we normally uh, jump on a call with each other to do this podcast about half nine Thursday morning, and then uh, we have a little chat for ten minutes, and uh, and then we do the podcast. Today, you were ten minutes late and started with. 
all hell has broken loose, <laughs> you know, uh, and it's about, well, I'm going to let you lead with this because to your credit, uh, you know, you did have this story ready to go, um, but it's it's broken this morning and uh, now you're, I don't want to say you're flapping about, Matt, but we can hear you typing as I'm talking. Well, literally, uh, I'm just uh, just putting the fine, fine tunes to this story. So let's talk about Ludonautics, okay? So Bolton Wanderers, as we are well aware, are owned by Football Ventures, Brackets Whites Limited, uh, Sharon Britton being the majority shareholder, and we, there are other shareholders, including Michael James, of course. Um, there are some minority ones, including the UK government, uh, BMLL Limited, Nick Lucock, Ian Ridley, who is involved at Bolton School. Um, and now um, we also have Ian Everett and uh, Neil Hart as B-class shares. Now, these are the guys that they don't... Um, you don't vote. You don't get to vote for stuff. But if Bolton were sold for a hundred million pounds down the line, they get some money. That's the bottom line of B class shares. Um, and we now have a new B class shareholder, and it is Ludonautics, um, a company which was launched at the end of last year by Ian Graham. Um, a non a non executive director of this company is Michael Edwards, whose name may be familiar more familiar to you. Uh, Ian Graham and Michael Edwards were the guys that set up uh, Liverpool's recruitment uh, department, analysis department. Basically, revolutionised uh, the kind of sports science, uh, sports um, data use in in the Premier League. Set up the first science departments, effectively. So before that, um, Ian Graham had worked at Tottenham um, with uh, Damien Camoli. Um, and then when he came over to Liverpool, so did uh, Ian Graham. Worked with Michael Edwards, who was the sporting director at Liverpool, who had been working um, at Portsmouth before that with Harry Redknapp and came up to Liverpool. Between them, they, I mean, they changed Liverpool round, didn't they? I mean, let's face it, Liverpool got to three Champions League finals in five years. They won the Premier League for the very first time. Suddenly, under Jurgen Klopp, and I'm not downplaying what he's done, by the way. Yes, Jurgen Klopp's done a great job. Mm. Um, uh, but they have completely changed the outlook. Um, and and in that decade that they worked at Liverpool, just over a decade, every club worth its salt has embraced the same sort of thing to a, to a greater or lesser degree. Obviously, the big success stories um, have been clubs like Brighton, um, and Brentford, who have, have managed to completely change their outlook with using uh, data-driven recruitment. So it's not, uh, it's, it's still a relatively new thing for people to get their head around. And, and the use of it, um, you know, is, is very widespread, but not everybody uses it well. So what, Bol what Bolton have done, obviously, they've embraced it very much. So Chris Markham has built their own department um, from scratch. Bolton are in a very, very good place with that. What they have done now is brought aboard Ludonautics, who have access to data across the world, around the world, a database that basically Liverpool were involved in. So you know, the way I look at it is that they now have the access to the scouting system effectively that Liverpool had. They can look into markets that Liverpool looked into. They can look worldwide suddenly. And if Bolton were to get into the championship... I think that's exactly what they'll do. I can foresee them looking at markets that we would have no idea in. We won't be shopping from, you know, the little central aisle anymore. It'll be out in, in the continental department, you know, the deli. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at, uh, we'll be looking at Polish sausages and, uh, and, and Dutch cheese. Um, so yeah, they, I, I think this is this is quite exciting. They've what they've done is I, I assume I mean I don't assume I know Ludonautics um, are looking to work with lots of different sports, lots of different clubs. It's not specific that they are just in with Bolton Wanderers, but to the best of my knowledge, the deal they've done with Bolton with shares kind of replaces what would be a fee. So you'd, you, this would be quite a pricey thing to do, um, but obviously they've kind of agreed a chunk of the pie effectively so if they are successful theoretically they get money down the line so the better data or the better help that they give bolton and chris mark money and Everett, the more they make down the line on it so it's incredibly exciting and you know you couldn't wish to have 
people you know as as qualified as Ian Graham and Michael Edwards in that field. They they literally are as good as it gets. Yeah, well, I was when you were talking. Then I was thinking that well, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd think that. Um, how can I put it? You'd think that clubs higher up the food chain at the moment. Bolton, listen, Bolton are a, a, we're a, a, a lion, but we're a lion that's a bit starved. Uh, <laughs> whereas you have teams who traditionally have been smaller, for example, Brentford, who are uh, flourishing. But you'd think that maybe Championship teams already, or maybe you know Premier League teams who are nearer the bottom, would be looking at you know bringing these guys in. So what you're saying is that Bolton have gone right. Yeah, uh, Bolt, but Bolton have gone, right, as a League One club, we can't afford to to bring you in. We can't afford to get your database. But what we can do is say, uh, we will give you a chunk of the club. Mm-hmm. And then should you decide to sell it in five years' time, we hopefully will be in a much higher league and you'll be able to sell it for much more. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Obviously... A lot of people have asked, how are Bolton going to manage in the championship? And from a pure money point of view, you could argue that's still to be to be answered. But this is probably the first hint as to how they intend to manage down the line. They keep on talking about shopping smarter and, and getting value for money and all that kind of stuff. This basically opens up a, a, a bigger, bigger avenue for them. I mean, there's only so much work that they can do as a League One club to build the 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 database necessary I mean, i'm sure they've got all the right bases covered they've looked at lower league clubs they've brought a lot of players through they've got a reasonable success rate there i think it's fair to say they've gone from zero having you know a, a couple of players on the books to having a squad that has proper assets in it now and they deserve some credit for that i don't i really don't think they get enough credit for that uh, for having actually built a squad that is worth some money. You know, if, if if the worst were to happen tomorrow, they could sell players for decent fees. So that is worth worth noting. Obviously, when they go up in the championship, it is a complete and absolute toilet financially. Um, and the, the wage bills are astronomical. You know, the, the EFL are doing what they can do to try and to fix that. And, and there's been lots in the news recently with Rick Parry talking about um, uh, the, the disparity between Premier League budgets, etc., etc., and, and get, doing away with uh, parachute payments and yada, yada, yada. All that, you know, may, may be to come. But Bolton have got to tackle that next season if they get promotion. So, um, yes, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think... This is this is probably a little concession now as to how how they're going to manage it and and look look abroad look to try and use this data as best they possibly can and maybe do a Brighton maybe do a Brentford because those clubs when they were at this level were no bigger. Well, um, it's come just in time, and maybe this is what Ian Everett was hinting at last week when he said uh, that uh, there will be some exciting signings before the end of January. Maybe this is what he meant. Maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, Dion, but if you're going to miss two chances, we've got the Japanese second division striker who's about to come to the club. Um, what can you tell us about about this? Because it is getting to uh, that time. The next week will be very busy, and I don't just mean the fact that we've got a league game and a cup quarter final. Uh, it's the transfer window. Um, do you have any more details on maybe who we're looking at or what Ian Everett will be looking at? Because I guess after what this week has taught us, amongst many things, is that Bolton actually need to bring some players in now to to boost the squad. It certainly makes it more exciting, doesn't it? Uh, I, I would I would doubt that what's happened with Lidnautics and this share thing is going to have a massive effect on what is happening in the here and now. Down the line, yes, certainly. But I know that uh, you know the, the recruitment department at Bolton has done a lot of work into what is needed at the minute. And that seems to have expanded in the last week or so. I mean, we've we've been talking to Ian Ever all the way through and he's been relaxed, he's been comfortable. 
confident and, and I think last week he said oh I'm, I'm more confident now than I have been at any time during the window it all looked great and then on Tuesday night you get an injury to Randall Williams you potentially get one to Kyle Dempsey uh, suddenly the, the complexion changes and and this can happen in transfer windows and you have to think on your feet so now they're having to scramble a little bit and they've gone from you know maybe we'll get one player in to improve things maybe one or two now we're on two or three so this is what happens in the transfer window. Um, Bolton still definitely want a striker. Definitely have been interested in Niall Ennis. And that deal has been kind of quite slow. And, uh, you know, whether it gets over the line, we will have to wait and see. I still think Bolton are in pole position to be able to do it. And I'm, I'm aware of, of discussions with his representatives and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's definitely uh, progress being made on that. But whether or not it gets over the line, we have to kind of all wait and see we're now looking at midfield George Thomason's got a two-match ban and Dempsey may have an injury he pulled up with a late chance mm. against Chelton didn't he and it seemed to look like his calf I'm not too sure it was certainly muscular so there's there's a few things now they start needing to think about Mendes Gomez is coming back but I still think they are now a couple light and uh, certainly defensively Will Forrester's out for a couple more weeks Geth Jones is out till uh, mid-February. They could be down to 16 senior players at Carlisle as things stand, so they need to move quickly. Um, it's not great timing for this podcast because I can't tell you what they've done between Thursday morning and Saturday when a lot of people are listening to this on the way up to Cumbria. I sincerely hope, folks, that you're saying, oh, good grief, you know, we, we've made six signings since then, what he's on about. But right here, right now, it's a little bit concerning. Yeah, I mean the Dempsey. I was sat right in front of Dempsey as he um, he kind of went round the the defender and the goalkeeper, and then went to shoot and pulled out of a shot. And it it looks it could be his calf. It looked like his it could have been his nevo. Right. I don't know whether. Hopefully, uh, he felt it twinge and pulled out rather than it actually be. You know, like he thought if I shoot here, it's gone. Mm. Um, and he did. He kind of hobbled off, but finished the game. So uh, yeah, hopefully. And I mean, I feel sorry for Dempsey because that's his home game, isn't it, Carlisle? So uh, I'm sure he would have loved to have gone, gone there and played. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's. I mean, this is this is the thing. It's you can't between a, a rock and a hard place, really, because you you don't want a massive squad. You know, other clubs. Um, I know Bradford, for example, of of their problem is that they've got a massive squad and they're trying to get rid of players. Um, but then you don't want to be left short. And I think that's where Bolton are. You, you at the start of the season, you probably look and say, well, you could do one or two names, uh, more more names, but everything's fine. We've got a big enough squad. But the problem is, is when you then suddenly have two players that have been uh, out, you know, international duty, then you've got a couple more players who are injured. You've got then a few suspensions. It does look uh, pretty thin. And especially because Bolton seems to be playing Saturday, Tuesday at the moment, it's, it's not exactly what you need. And, I think that was one of the the a lot of people pointed out the other day against Cheltenham is is that we do look a bit leggy, um, and I don't know whether it has anything to do with the the performances, but um, this is the problem now. You, you could I you know in a normal situation you'd look at this Carlisle game and go well if this storm I know there has been floods up there so if this calls the game off it won't be bad bad news but it actually would be because Bolton are struggling to fit fixtures in anyway so you need Absolutely. to be playing the games but. Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, as uh, you know, and you're right to point out, and I, I know I said it earlier on, we're recording this on Thursday morning, so we have done, I've, I mean, we've done this podcast together for a few years now, and there has been a handful of times, more than once, where we have talked about a, a player, um, and then it gets announced at five o'clock that day, so <laughs> hopefully that could happen again. I can say uh, I'm not we'll sitting see. on a story, I can, I can say that for definite, there's a few, pl there's a few names that haven't hit the public domain but i'm not sitting on a story waiting to press a button so that's a good thing um but just in case maybe we should reserve um a little tiny piece of space here just a little add-on here uh fresh from the press conference ian everts actually hinting he might sign up to four players by the end of this window definitely trying to get one on board friday before the deadline so he should well be um 
available for the Carlisle game, but then three more targets potentially for next week. Get the biscuits in, folks. It's going to be a good one. Right, OK, well, there we go. Uh, that, uh, that explains all that then, Henry. Let's move on to the next headline. <laughs> well, I'd love to be linking exciting signings to the fact that James Trafford is returning to the tough sheet, <laughs> but unfortunately I can't. Uh, but he is returning because it has just been announced as we're recording that on Tuesday, the 26th of March, the tough sheet community stadium will be hosting England on the 21s versus Luxembourg on the mm. 21s. Uh, James Trafford, of course, is in goal for the under-21, so he will be returning to the tough sheet, uh, which is exciting because, you know, we've seen uh, the stadium used for concerts, but we've not really seen England's youth teams uh, play at the stadium for a long time. I can't remember many times I don't think it's happened. Somebody asked me the other day, and I don't think I've ever seen an England game here. To the best of my knowledge, I know there have been rugby league games and all that, and rugby union games, but I've never, um, I've never had an England game. Am I right? Do I remember that I, right? I, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely not since, not since the early Premier League days under mm. Big Sam. That was when I think it could have happened. If I mean, if anyone can, um, you know, say that we're wrong in that, and please, please, do. please <laughs> yeah, message him. But um, yeah, I mean, this is exciting. It's all part of of new wanderers if you will um and it's great to see the stadium being used for these sort of things well i mean I've, i'm amazed really that it hasn't been used before because of the, the network the transfer transport network the motorway etc is so good that they've used it for lots of different concerts and such like down the years and it's it really is purpose-built for this sort of thing and it's a size that's not it's not a massive stadium obviously in england under 21 games tend to get a, a reasonable crowd, but not a massive crowd. Um, I think this one's very much built on Traff, isn't it? I think a lot of people want to come back and see see Traff, and I'm sure he'll get a brilliant reception, deserves it as well. Um, lots of lads from this neck of the woods as well that will uh, will attract their own, like lots of Manchester City players, uh, some real top talents in, in that squad. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to be really interested. I, I can't wait to go and cover it, to be honest. It's the day after my birthday. So that's going to be my birthday treat, going watching London under 21s in the freezing cold. Oh. So, uh, yeah, um, that'd be cool. <laughs> and you'd think with it being Luxembourg, unfortunately for Traff, uh, I mean, Traff, if you sat in the front row, then I guess Traff could come and uh, sign some autographs <laughs> and take some selfies with you because I don't think you'll have much to do. Listen, but you'll probably see lots of goals. You tell me, you, why, why are you so confident there? What do you know about Luxembourg under 21 football, Henry? I've been speaking to the uh, the new Blue shareholders. The guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, about, who was that guy? For, who was the Luxembourg player we had once? I was just going to tell called? you. I was just going to ask you that. So yes, Yannick Bastos was his name. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was brought to the club by Greta Steinson. Weirdly enough, who's now at Leeds doing good work. So there we go. He didn't take him with him, though, did he? He did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Okay. Give me another headline. Uh, so uh, this this kind of sprung up before Tuesday, and uh, on Tuesday I did joke with my dad when he scored that that's put another couple of million on his uh, <laughs> Saudi price fee. Uh, Victor Adebayo has been linked with an overseas move, but Ian Everett says no, not happening. Yeah, uh, it came uh, about on the day of the game, I think, on Tuesday. Was it one of the the web uh, one of the football insider websites? Yeah. I think it was that that brought it out. Occasionally they get things right, occasionally they get things very wrong. So um, yeah. I put it to Ian Everett because it hadn't been anything that had come across my bows and he, well, he giggled basically. He's like, no, no, nobody's, nobody's phoned me about Victor. No foreign clubs of any description. It was all very vague, wasn't it? I think it, the story said an overseas club and, and immediately alarm bells ring when that sort of thing happens. So um, I dare say somebody did look at his performance against Luton and think very promising. I certainly did. And Again, I think he was one of Bolton's better players against uh, Cheltenham as well. Um, he start, yeah, he's starting to he's starting to fit that role for me, Victor. Um, and it was no massive surprise if other people are looking at him, but uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Bolton are looking to sell anybody um, between now and the end of this month. No, and I mean, if my memory serves me right, and I may be being skeptical here, but like uh, Victor Adebayo's agent was. Um, 
uh, when he was about to sign for Bolton, was putting stuff on Instagram saying he was at, at the watching matches at the tough sheet. So maybe <laughs> his agent has something to do with. Uh, maybe he wants uh, his client to get a new deal or something. I don't know. Well, uh, that's that's scandalous that you suggest that agents <laughs> might put their client's name out for no apparent reason at this time of the year. That's absolutely scandalous. But no, I don't think uh, I don't think Vic's looking to move anywhere either. Um, is I think he's happy. I think he's uh, he's appreciative of of what's happening at the minute at Bolton, and uh, he's not in a rush to move on anywhere. No, but that's good because he's playing very well at the moment. Um, right. Well, uh, I, I, let's move on to. Um, uh, not Bolton, but a Premier League uh, story, and this is one that all Bolton fans have had a smile on the face. Is watching the uh, the the rise of Connor Bradley. Mm. We've been talking about him for the last uh, eighteen months. Yet now, um, you know the the whole footballing world match of the day. Jurgen Klopp loves uh, Connor Bradley. Uh, everyone's talking about him and how great he is, and he could. Uh, get in um, and push Alexander-Arnold up the pitch a bit. But uh, it's great to see, isn't it, that he's doing so well and uh, he's going back to Wembley. Absolutely. Absolutely. I watched a little bit of the game against Fulham um, on on Wednesday night as well. Played well again. Liverpool fans absolutely loving the way that he's playing. And do you know what? When that happens, every single media organisation in the world tries to find an expert on Conor Bradley and... Too many of them have landed on my doorstep, I have to say. Mm. There's, there's absolutely no opinion I can give on Conor Bradley that I have not already given. Um, a terrific young man, um, but really, honest to God, I don't want to end up on Mastermind with Conor Bradley as my specialist subject at all. He's uh, yeah, he's playing really, really well. I'm very, very glad for him. Um, obviously, Liverpool have had their injury problems and that's given him that opportunity, but you can only ask that these young players come in and, and seize it in the way that he has. Um, Jurgen Klopp wanted to see him in pre-season, didn't he? And, and have a, have a closer look before, um, you know, potentially loaning him out. But I think they, they now see him as a, as a player that can potentially help Trent Alexander-Arnold and make him be able to push up into midfield and, and allow them to tactically evolve in that respect. So, you know, I think it's fantastic Long may it continue. I hope he gets plenty more games and that uh, that he's got a chance to nail that that position down for the future. Yeah, exactly. Now, if there's any uh, AI robots who are Liverpool fans and have uh, managed <laughs> to uh, find that we are talking about Conor Bradley and then put it out to a load of Liverpool fans, uh, the next headline involves a, a newspaper that I won't mention, but it's the same name as the yellow thing in the sky. Uh, they've made a second apology for the coverage of the Cheltenham game and that headline that uh, didn't yeah. go down well. No, it didn't go down well. It was poor, let's be honest. Uh, very, very poor. I, I said quite a bit on the subject last week as to, uh, not, not to excuse it in any way, but from from my kind of job perspective, I, I can see how some of these things can happen and gave a bit of background to it. Uh, a lot of people got in touch with us last week to say, Thanks very much. And they, they understand the situation a bit better. So I'm, I'm really glad we could do that for you. Um, the Sun were banned for that game uh, on the Luton game. Um, but I think having given this second uh, second apology, I think agency staff, etc. will be allowed to, um, to, to, to report from games now. Um, a lot of fans don't want anything to do with it. Totally understand that, and that is entirely uh, within your remit to uh, to buy the publication, read the publication, or not. Um, I, I'm not, not getting involved in that one. Um, but it, this 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 apology was at least a little bit more detailed, and uh, you know held the hands up a little bit more that this should, a lot more care should have been taken on that headline. Um, more stuff has come up. Uh, or is is on the way out though um, from Ipso, who uh, basically the Press Complaints Commission rebranded. Um, they received more than two hundred uh, complaints from Bolton Wanderers fans, which is quite something. Um, I know a lot of people contacted me to say that they'd they'd written in. Um, Ipso, uh, it's a it's a very very difficult uh, devil's advocate they have to play, um, but they've looked into it. And the, the long long story short is that, that unless there is a, an official complaint from the family, um, that they can't escalate it any further than they have. 
um, which is you know maybe slightly disappointing. Um, I can understand that. Uh, they've said that the content of the story itself and the use of the picture are both at the minute a okay. There's 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 nothing that's wrong about that. It was it was very much the headline I think that that they took on bridge with, um, and obviously the 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 son of 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 uh, apologised themselves for that. So. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're at with it. Bolton Council have complained. Everybody's complained. Everybody um, wants to wants to have their view on it, but I don't see it moving along any further now. And I'm sure the family have got a lot better things to do um, at the moment. So um, I think we'll just have to keep and uh, take a watching brief on it, Henry. Yeah, we will. And um, I mean, yeah, it's... it's it... We we discussed it on the last episode, so if you want to hear that, you can do. Um, but yeah, it's I guess we all move on, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, we can. Uh, I mean, people, like I said, I, I don't particularly uh, like that publication myself, so hopefully, it's it's opened a few more people's eyes against it. But um, you know, we uh, yeah, we spoke about it last time, so we've got nothing more to add other than that. <laughs> Right, let's move on to something slightly more light-hearted and a bit of Who Are You? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? It is the letter L today, and we have got some fascinating facts on uh, two players. And we had we had a lot of people um, sending in bits and bobs, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read out a couple that didn't make the list. Um, Danny Livesey uh, works in a school um, in mm. Manchester uh, with uh, for Manchester United, bizarrely enough. Um, Sammy Lee was prevented from working with Sam Allardyce at Leeds United because he was doing jury duty. <laughs> Right, okay. So um, I think I, it was quite recent. That's so I, I think I remember that one. Chung Young Lee was prevented from signing from uh, for Bolton uh, by Dougie Friedman. Um, remembers uh, another person. Um, so I remember that, and I remember him actually packing his suitcases and texting his future teammates that he was on his way. And then Dougie did call an end to the deal because there was an injury in the squad so uh, yeah Chungi never got his second return also Kieran Lee has taken over as manager of Sheffield Wednesday ladies um, has he? but it turns out it's not that Kieran Lee it's a different Kieran oh. Lee um, and it's also in in, in investigating that opened up a, a, a memory of mine that there is also a Kieran Lee who works in the adult entertainment industry and now and now on my on my history, I have got a lot of stuff that really. It, I'm just trying to find what's happened to our Kieran Lee. That's all promise. Okay, <laughs> if you're listening, News Quest, that's why. That's why. <laughs> I think right, it might be Mrs. Isles that you've got a problem with. Not <laughs> News right, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, two people that uh, we we can talk about um, with. Uh, no fear of setting the alarm bells off. Um, do you remember Mark Little? Yes, a uh, fullback, wasn't he? In the um, in the Phil Parkinson days. Yes, indeed. So he played under Phil Parkinson in the Championship. Thirty-five appearances, one goal. Uh, played a couple of seasons for Bristol Rovers and Yeovil after that. Um, but here's where he got interesting. So Mark Little's 35 now. Um, he is still playing in the Cumru, uh, Cymru rather, Premier League for Pennybont. Sounds quaint, yeah. doesn't it? You just think, oh, maybe he's just you know, having a little stroll about in the park, maybe on a Saturday afternoon, bit of training midweek. Um, but in June last year, he was in Europe, playing in Europe for Pennybont. Um, ah. against FC Santa Coloma of Andorra in the European Conference League. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, uh, he, he is... It's nice to see when a player um, plays, for, plays for your club and then goes on to much bigger and better things. <laughs> um, 
well, there can't be too many ball wanderers players that have left the club and then gone and played in Europe. You know, I mean, Gary Cale, I heard he did okay after he left Bolton. I don't know. And that Nicholas Anelka chap who's just turned up at uh, is a CEO of a Turkish club whose name escapes me. Um, yeah, he did okay. He did all right. Yeah, I mean, seeing Gary Cahill lift the Champions League just after we were relegated, um, yeah, yeah, really hit home that he'd uh, he'd made the right move. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Um, yes. So give, give me a, a Josh Dakers cogliometer of uh, of interest about that fascinating fact on Mark Little. Yeah, gonna uh, mm, six point five. Six point five. It's fine. I, I won't take yeah. it personally. It's not my it's not my stats, and I've not even managed to copy across who sent the stat in. So apologies. Um, I will. Well, I'll try and find out in a second. Give me a second. Um, right. The, se- the second one this week is Dave Leonard. You won't remember him. Um, a midfielder that played for Bolton between 1962 and 1969. Uh, he went on to represent Halifax, Blackpool, Cambridge, Chester, Stockport and Bournemouth. Um, later his career. So he, had, he had moved around a bit there. Um, uh, yeah, what a hell of a move for the last one. Especially I- in the 60s. I bet it took him a week. <laughs> Apparently, whilst he was playing for Halifax, he, he played up against the um, the all-conquering kind of Manchester United team at, at the time. Um, and yeah, there's a good interview in the Halifax Courier if you want to if you want to read that one. But he's him against uh, Dennis uh, Law and people like that. But I mean, he was used to mixing with celebrities, um, and I do wonder whether or not he he will have known somebody that was playing that day. So Dave Leonard, mid thirties. Decides to go over to the to go over to America. Played in Los Angeles for a couple of clubs. Played alongside George Best, and then Johan Cruyff, two seasons. Wow. What? How about that? Imagine, imagine what shirts he's got hanging on his wall now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, just when George Best regaling the stories of of winning the European Cup, um, mm. uh, Dave Leonard would uh, be regaling stories of playing for <laughs> Bolton. Hey. No, he wouldn't have played with Nat Lofthouse, would he? But he'd have known him. He could have said, I, I know would. Nat Lofthouse. I bet he would have done. Uh, give me a, a, a Dacus Cogley. Uh, I'm going to throw it in at 6.5 as well. couple of 6.5s. Right, I've got one final one. I'm just going to read this one out because this came uh, this morning and I thought, I don't want to miss it. It's not a Bolton player, but you'll, you'll know why I've done this. So um, this is from uh, Ravi. Ravi says, a friend's sister-in-law was working last summer at a summer school for children with extra, need, uh, with extra needs based in Nuneaton. And her supervisor was a man called Leroy, who she was told was a pretty decent footballer. She didn't think much of it and assumed he was the best player on a staff five-a-side team. Leroy was a very pleasant boss, if a bit AWOL, often not showing up for work for days at a time. On one occasion, he was missing in action for around a week, only to return out the blue and offer the sage advice to never go to a Congolese wedding. <laughs> Right. It turns out this Leroy is former Premier League stalwart and Nuneaton Borough striker Leroy Lita looking to earn uh, some money in the off-season. Hurrah! I mean, he's, he's basically played for Bolton. He's been linked so many times with Bolton. I, I feel like he has played for the club. Um, but I love yeah. that story. It may not be yeah, true, that's, but, you know. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Leroy Lita, the, uh, the man who will forever be linked with Bolton, even... Um, I, I bet he turns up on these, uh, you know, his new scouting database we've got as a, you know, yeah. just an option, an option like a Cameron Jerome, an option off the bench, Levi Lita. We we will, I think it, one day when um, a, a, a Bolton player next as a testimonial, I think just for the laughs, just invite Leroy Lita. Get him um, in a Bolton shirt. Miguel Veloso and Leroy Lita, just to bring back the lols. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and someone from Chelsea who can come on loan. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, I think we're going to have to move this podcast on. We've got some emails. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. I'm going to have to be savage with these emails this week, unfortunately, because... Well, I mean, we explained at the top of the show because I'm busy. Um, right, <laughs> I've, got, I've got so much to do. I've just got emails piling up around my ears here and rattling through a podcast is uh, not necessarily where I need to be. But uh, I do love you all. I love. Uh, thank you very much for listening, by the way. Um, right, Henry, uh, tell me what you think of this. Hi, Mark and Henry. This one's from Alan. Um, in the light of... Uh, 
in light of player ratings, as low as three this week for the Orient game. I'm curious, what is the worst rating you've ever given a player? And have you ever had pushback from players or managers on ratings? Um, although I tend to feel that Ian Everett would agree you have been too kind this week, if anything. So, yeah, threes and fours. I gave Nathan Baxter a 5.5 at Leighton Orient. Uh, did you think I was harsh, by the way, Henry? Just to bring uh, you in no. on that? No. Well, there we go. Yeah. Uh, um, the good thing about footballers, uh, you, you would think you'd get a little bit more pushback on player ratings, but tend to, on the worst ones... Uh, it's usually the middle ground ones that you struggle with. So if they play really well, nobody cares. They're fine with, with sevens, eights, nines, no problem. I've never given a 10. Um, when they play crap, they know they play crap. And it's, I mean, you know, Ricardo Santos isn't going to turn around to me and say, well, listen, you gave me a three. I was, I was worth a 4.5. You know, that's not going to happen. It's always the middle ground ones that are the problem. Now, have I ever had a pushback from players? Yes, loads of times. Um, over over the course of a season or what have you, a lot of players, David Wheater, has uh, phoned me and David Wheater has uh, <laughs> complained every single time they see me, David Wheater, doing uh, player ratings, Josh Feller. Um, there was a there was a time on under Phil Parkinson where that just seemed to be you know the talk the talk of the dressing room basically as to what uh, what score they got in the paper. Um, I will tell you this little story, and this was, uh, I will, I'll exclude the player's name, um, but it was whilst I was covering Berry early, early in my career, and one player found out that I was doing data for Championship Manager, and he had dropped off a cliff on, on the stats, um, for whatever reason, it wasn't necessarily mine, but hey, uh, but he'd also found out that I was not giving him very good marks in the paper, and yeah, I, there was a press officer called Gordon who stopped, stopped him from throttling me, basically. He, he, was, he was not happy. He was not happy in any way, shape or form um, and confronted us and got very physical with it at one stage. That's as bad as it's been. But I've had a lot of snipey emails and texts and such like when you uh, when you give a few too many sixes out. There was, it was also, also a running joke at one stage that I always gave Fabrice Moamba one mark more than everybody else. Um, but that's probably true. I like Fabrice. <laughs> I think you mentioned it on the podcast before, didn't you? Uh, because of your role as a, a sort of a, a, a well, kind of a stats man for Football Manager, didn't they put you in the game? I was, yeah. So I, I was. I always started at Manchester City, and I have no idea why. Um, but yeah, my my cousin once sent me a screen grab or an email, or whatever, and was like, "Are you in Manchester? Are you in Championship Manager?" I had no idea. Um, it was it was one of the very early like it must have been it was one of the latest championship managers because it changed to football manager yeah and I think it was on the cross it was about two thousand and four to five yeah maybe. yeah Six. that's it so it was either the last championship manager or the first football manager um, and I was still doing some data for them and uh, yeah <laughs> for whatever reason my name ended up in the game but I'm told that it's forever in the game so all these names and nick uh, all these surnames and such like just random generated you could end up with one of my direct descendants in your team could happen <laughs> <laughs> my digital descendants <laughs> I like that that's good right okay I'm gonna have to read the rest of the emails out next week um, thank you very much to people like Isaac and like Craig who have sent in great emails who I will definitely use next week but right now we're going to have to move on to prediction time pass us my crystal ball what's happening next week prediction time uh, prediction time the area of this uh, podcast where we pretend to know what is going to happen <laughs> in in the uh, forthcoming fixtures, Bolton travelling to K Carlisle United, um, hopefully in better weather. Do we have we looked at the weather at all um, in Carlisle for the weekend? Do we know? Do we know uh, what's? Right. Let me have a look. Oh, this is oh, live research. Race. Who can do it's it race. faster? going to win. Uh, Saturday, blowy, nine degrees, according to Google. Sorry, I'm on that Kieran Lee stuff again. Um, I'm just being way late. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's some blowy there as well, actually. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's looking, um, yeah, it's looking a little bit better. It's looking a little bit better. Um, not quite the same problems they had uh, against Cheltenham, but 
not great. It, it's an unforgiving neck of the woods, that Carlisle. Any yeah, sort of weather is bad weather. Especially if you're behind that goal without a, a roof on. It's, oh, uh, it's a, a larger version of Accrington, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, it's a massive, uh, massive terrace, but it, it's definitely open to the elements. So there's nearly 3,000 Bolton fans making that trip. Um, it'll be a terrific I've never, atmosphere. I've never seen that um, that terrace open, actually. It, every time I see Carlisle uh, goals or uh, games at Brunson Park, it, it's always shut, so it's quite the compliment that they've opened it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the best Carlisle story I can tell you is uh, Boxing Day a few years back. Ian Everts, I think it was his first season in charge, went down, yeah. went up there to uh, to Carlisle and uh, Derek Clark was doing it for Bolton FM. So we, uh, we walked up and Derek's putting on all his uh, his heated stuff, his gilet, his, his heated hat, his heated gloves, his heated socks um, and all that sort of stuff. And then he blew the entire press box power out with all his electrical gear. Mm. Um, yes, and there was a there was an outage across a lot of Carlisle that day on Boxing Day, ruining many many families' Christmas, um, all because Derek had a slightly cold knee. But there we go, oh. there we go. And it, I never remember that game correctly. It wasn't as if you uh, you could write a match report by half time and let it done. <laughs> it, it was quite the eventful game. Three nil down to three all, wasn't it? Something like that. Kyoto sent yeah. off as well. I seem to remember. Yeah, madness. I hope it's nothing like that uh, at the weekend. But hey, um, would you take a point as they got that day? Um, no, well, I mean, yes, I, I said I'd take a point at Leighton Orient. We didn't get one. So it, it depends on the context of the game. But no, I think after what Carlisle did towards our ground, I think uh, we've got to go there and, and win. Um, but I, I've got a feeling this weekend could be a big weekend. You know, if you look at uh, the five now teams that are up there, because Barnsley's come from nowhere. Um, I think Barnsley play Exeter at home, so you'd expect them to win. But everyone else has got Derby are playing Cheltenham, and we've seen if Cheltenham put in a performance like we did with us, they could get something. And Derby for me seem to they're a team who do well in patches. Like yeah, they're unbeaten for eleven games, but then they they almost drew against Burton and then haven't won since then. Um, Portsmouth are at Port Vale, so that would be tough for them. And then Peterborough away at Lincoln, so I think if Bolton win. It could be one of those defining weekends where we could, I mean, we could be top, but mm. if we can win and then the others are one or at least two drop points, you can then look at the table differently and think, well, we've got games in hand and we're in the top two. Uh, Portsmouth play on Tuesday, so we go back three games behind them. So if we can say we win and they lose, we're above them, or we'll be at the very least two points behind them come Wednesday with three games in hand. So yeah. I think it really could be a, a defining weekend, which hopefully Bolton uh, can uh, can take advantage of. Yeah, no, I'm with you, actually. I think it could be an interesting weekend. I think you are starting to see that it's not just about Bolton. I think sometimes you, you, you can get caught up in how Bolton are doing and, and certainly last weekend when, when they got beat by Leighton Orient it's oh god well that's that's that you know everybody else loses everybody else loses nobody is, is running away with this um, Bol uh, sorry Derby Peterborough have had decent runs Portsmouth obviously had that great run at the start Oxford had a great run at the start and they've fallen away Stevenage had their little moment and they've kind of fallen away a bit so everybody is is jostling for position it's about prolonged consistency. And so long as you can avoid going into those little stretches of two, three, four defeats or, you know, dropping lots of points in, in clusters, I think, you you know, you're going OK. And Bolton have done that. They've not played well in their last game, but they won it. That's all they needed to do. That's all they need to do on Saturday at Carlisle for me. It could be as scrappy as it likes. They just need to roll up their sleeves one more time and then enjoy the, the quarterfinal. But I'm going for Bolton to win that game by one goal to nil. As the, another one nil to the Wanderers is going to be a thing for me. Hmm. Um, and I'm going with Ricardo Santos for the goal. How about that? Ooh. That's that'll be good. Um, yeah, I feel you're right there, and, and and this is it. I think it's always important to uh, to look at uh, perspective and think. Well, okay, we've not played well the last two games, but actually, when you look at where Bolton are, we we still got this averaging over two points a game. 
we're third in the league with games in hand over everyone else and we're only two points off the top so it isn't actually as bad as what maybe <laughs> some people would say so yeah i i don't i don't see saturday i'd love us to go there and, and win convincingly like they did at, uh, at the tough sheet but i don't see it happening I, I can see it being a one nil myself we've seen this plenty of times like at port vale and uh, like at lincoln where you just get the job done um and yeah i've got a funny feeling it could be a really uh if if we win and hopefully we will it could be a really um we we could be looking at at, at the table uh and suddenly everyone's convinced we've already been promoted from five <laughs> o'clock so i'm gonna go one nil as well i think it's redemption for dion i think he'll get the goal um and then on to the the blackpool game um which I think will be a. It, I don't really know what to make of it. If Bolton have announced they've sold out, so it's probably going to be more Bolton fans there than Blackpool. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be a tough game because Blackpool. It was a tough game at the tough sheet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very tight game, and they, they're, they're a good team. Blackpool. I wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up in in the playoffs at some stage of the game. They've had a few kind of peaks and troughs and and and, and injuries and such like, but. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Bolton's record at Bloomfield Road is atrocious. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to put the kibosh on things, but they haven't won there for a very long time. So it's one of the, one of the so-called bogey grounds. Would I like to change that? Of course I would. Uh, will I be mentioning that to Ian Ever? Of course I will, because that was that's right down his street as as something that, that he'd like to uh, like to change. So yeah, it's. It feels a bit like the final. It's almost like Easy Street after this. If they if they win this game, I feel like everything's opened up and there's there's not a lot else. Um, you know, Peterborough probably would beg to differ with that. But um, yeah, I think it's a competition that uh, that Bolton can win if they if they win this game, they'll feel really in a strong position to do that again. Um, promotion being the main aim, obviously, but I don't think. If they can get something at Carlisle, that this quarterfinal will feel like a hurdle. It will feel like something they can relax into and play well, rather than if they don't get a game, don't get a result against Carlisle. It might feel like a bit of a burden, if you know what I mean. I still think yeah. they'll win, but I think it'll be a penalty shootout. Ooh, don't do that to us, Mark. Um, Did you say you yeah, were going, it's... Henry? Did you say you were going? Have you? Uh, no, I'm not going to take it. So. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, the um, yeah, I'd, I don't know, I don't know. I think um, I, I, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it went straight to penalties, and uh, you know, we we hopefully get over the line of penalties. I, I do think if Bolton are knocked out of his competition, it's going going to come down to a penalty shootout or a diff, uh, an error by a referee or an error somewhere. Now. Bolton players, I hope none of them have listened to that. But um, yeah, I, I feel that it is, it's Bolton's to win again. And I think there's going to be a, a significant, for us not to get to the, you know, not to win it, it's going to be something, it's not going to be that we lose 2-0. I think there's going to be, so hopefully that isn't the case. Uh, we can get through it smoothly and, and get on to the next round. Because like you said, unless we draw Peterborough, that'll be a great game, but a difficult one. I think it, it's set up at the moment for a Bolton Peterborough final. I think that's probably what the league want because it'd be a great um, spectacle. I, I, to be honest, they'd probably have wanted a Bolton Blackpool final uh, yeah. in terms of actual yeah. attendance. But yeah, it's uh, hopefully we can uh, yeah we can get the we can get the job done and on to the semi finals. Bolton Peterborough, that'd be something else. Good grief! Do you reckon you'd get yourself a posh box in that one, or would, would you would you be firmly neutral, or would you just be? Uh, no, I I mean, I've discussed on this podcast before that I, I have a tendency to uh, message Dara at the wrong time, the wrong time being when we've just beaten him 5-0. So I am not, uh, I know he's a very superstitious man. And if we uh, are anywhere near, it's like at the end of a season, if it's neck and neck with Bolton and Peterborough, I'm not messaging him for about a month before the last game of the season. So um, I will do all my contacts with Dara through uh, Phil, who co-hosts the podcast. Yeah, well, I don't have that sort of problem. So, Dara, coming for you, mate. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I want a posh box for Henry. Um, anyway, but uh, yes, that's... Uh, so, 
well, this is going to be a winning week then. That's that's what we've agreed. It's going to be a yeah. tight but winning week. Yeah, that's that's yeah, fine by me. That's fine by me. I, I do genuinely, uh, I do genuinely feel that they'll they'll feel like they've turned a corner with that win against Cheltenham. So. Uh, fingers crossed. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be um, on the, the highlights reel at the end of the season, but I do think this could be a really important week for Bolton Wanderers. And, uh, well, I mean, this could be a really important day for Bolton Wanderers if I could only get off this podcast and write some chuffing stories. Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm going to bid you all adieu. Henry, you can stay and talk to me if you want to. Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to... I, I can't think of anything funny, so I'm just going to get on with my day. <laughs> just just be cornflakes, toast, coffee. Yeah. Lounge about in your socks, watch neighbours at lunchtime. Is it still on at lunchtime? Uh, let's say it is. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you emphasised like. Well, you haven't emphasised on TV and not my actual neighbours. <laughs> Sitting in my socks, watching my actual neighbours. Uh, until they, that's all I do. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I do, Mark. I speak to you every Thursday. Go watch Bolton. And other than that, I'm just sat watching the news. Well, until then, I'm going to go and get a cup of tea.